Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. And good morning. I am Heather Caro. I'm Deacon Paul Trinan. And we are broadcasting today from the Abbey of the Hills. Heather, whenever you come here, we just have beautiful, beautiful weather. Isn't it always like this? Uh, a lot of times it's like this. <laughs> yes, a lot I of times. Just, I, I had a meeting up in Aberdeen last night, or yesterday afternoon, was able to spend the night at the Abbey of the Hills. Mm-hmm. I know it's only two hours away from Sioux Falls, yeah. but... I take advantage of staying here whenever I can. It is so peaceful, so beautiful, yeah. and so welcoming. We're blessed to have you here. We really are. I'm excited. I'm excited that you come a day, a night early, just to kind of get into the Abbey, the Abbey sense. It's the yeah. sense of slowing down a little bit. And well, and we have the windows open, and you can hear the bell. Yeah. Beautiful. The bell tolling. So we're excited about today's program, too. I'm looking through there. We were just talking with Eli off the air, and um, and I know know a couple of these these guests that we're going to have, and I've spoken to the others. So it's going to be a great program. It is. It is. And then we get a half an hour, just the two of us, to banter. Yeah, banter. I didn't... yeah. So exciting. But before we get too far, Deacon, will you open the show I'd love to. Yes. In the name of the Father and of the Son. Holy Spirit, Lord, send down your Holy Spirit upon us, Heather and I, Eli, but also every single person that's listening, every one of our presenters, Fariba, and Christopher, and Suzanne, and everyone, we just ask your presence and that your holy will may be accomplished through this, this apostolate, this, this act that we've been blessed to do this morning for your praise for the love of our neighbor. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, Amen. Son, Holy Spirit. Amen, Deacon. Amen. Amen. Preach. Preach. Preach away. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get into that a little bit. But we've got a guest here. Are we ready to jump into this right Absolutely. away? Absolutely. All right, Fariba, are you on the line? I am. So they're saying, how do you pronounce this woman's name? I go, I got I this. Got, I got this one. I got this. I got this. Okay, so Fariba, rough head, right? Yes. Okay, so A plus. I have to. We're gonna we're gonna talk to Freeba, and the, the general overall theme is Freeba's a woman, a very very intelligent woman. She grew up as a Muslim and converted and converted to Catholicism. I'm so fascinated by it's this. It's a pretty short list of folks that have done that, and Freeba. Do you mind if I open up with a, a real quick uh, version of how you and I met? Please go ahead. Okay, quick, <laughs> quickly. Um, Julie and I, my wife and I attended, because I had done a clergy um, retreat um, through the Catherine Siena Institute, and um, it was called a Called and Gifted Workshop. And we went to it in Fergus Falls, Minnesota a couple of years ago. At lunchtime, at lunchtime of this retreat or this workshop, I sit next to Fariba, as God would plan it, and I start listening to her, and I, oh, 
So that's when it, I'll cover. We uh, <laughs> we're talking, and she's got this accent that I don't recognize, and I go. Mm-hmm. Okay, Fariba. It's Fariba, right? Okay, Fariba, I don't understand where your accent is from. And she goes, it's from Saipan. I go, Saipan? I've never Saipan. even heard of Saipan. She goes, are you living under a under a, um, a rock? <laughs> and my wife nudges me. She said, my wife said, she said, Iran. And so I looked at her and go, I've never even met anyone from Iran. Right. What are you doing here? And she goes, well, I've never met anybody who runs an abbey. <laughs> right. I wonder if she's ever even been to an abbey. Yeah, well, I don't know if she had either at that point. But um, from that point on, it just seems like the Holy Spirit has led the abbey and Freeba and just a really interesting flowering of, of kind of a story. So we've got Freeba. This morning, and we just want to welcome her to Real Presence Radio. So, welcome, Fariba. Can you Thank give you us? Thank you so much. Can you tell us? I know you, we got cut off from you, so you didn't hear that little story, but it was it was the story. <laughs> it was very kind, Fariba. And tell <laughs> us a little bit. Tell us a little bit about yourself for those that don't know you. Uh, encapsulate. Um, I know we've had. She's come out here for days of recollection and described over the course of two one-hour periods but let's let's kind of really condense that down for everybody this morning <laughs> sure, give them sure. an idea why how that all happened for Eva. yeah yeah so as you said i was born in iran i came to the u.s as an exchange student in high school and lived with a wonderful family in georgia a wonderful loving host family and that was 1976 which, if you are old enough, you remember that in 79, there was a revolution in Iran. So that coincided with me being here for 23 years and not being able to go back home um, because of the, the Iranian revolution. So in the interim, I um, grew up in a family that really, really valued academic achievement and education. I pursued my education here and got married have four children. I'm now a grandmother of four children, four grandchildren. Um, my education, I pursued in nutrition. So I got my PhD in nutrition science and I did research for the government for a while, the USDA, and then moved to corporate uh, setting where I was in R&D. And I led a multinational team um, researching nutrition science and innovating products. And then I had to retire early because they wanted me to relocate to New Jersey. And I didn't want to move away from my family, which ended up being actually divine um, providence because my real love is doing what I do now, which is uh, basically helping people discover their gifts, individuals and also teams, discover their gifts, and really bring their best to life and bring their best to work. And we met at the Called and Gifted because that was my first attempt at trying to figure out what my gifts are. Mm -hmm. And I've now become a Gallup certified coach, and I use the Gallup Strength Finder, which does the same type of thing, um, helping people (coughs) to discover their gifts. So that was bullet points. 
I don't know how much more you want. <laughs> There's <laughs> you like condensed a couple of times. So. <laughs> There's like eight rabbit holes I would love to go down with and ask questions on, but I'm going to refrain, Deacon. <laughs> well, you know, we uh, as as beautiful as uh, as being a certified coach and helping folks find their called and gifted. Oh, yeah pathway. Well, let's talk about called and gifted real briefly. What is called and gifted? Go ahead, Freeba. Okay, so my understanding of called and gifted is Catherine of Siena Institute has this instrument. It's a questionnaire. Um, This is what I remember from it, which basically you answer questions about what others tell you you're good at. Right. You know, so it just really probes about other people, friends, family, people who know you, what do they tell you your gifts are? And from that, you discern, um, and, and it's a multi-stage process, so that questionnaire kind of narrows it down, you could say, to mm-hmm. what your charisms could be. Then there's coaching, and you really are supposed to engage in several weeks of continuing to discern and keep um, testing yourself, if you will, observing right. yourself as to, is this my, my, one of my charisms? Right. Um, it's a beautiful yeah, so group. That, it's a- and, and, I, and I think that hopefully the, the flower at the end of this conversation that we have with you, Freeba, is that we all are gifted. Mm-hmm. We all have a charism. And as I remember, and as I teach my confirmation kids, the, the church says a charism is unique to Heather, mm-hmm. Paul, mm-hmm. Fariba, but each charism is supposed to be used to build up the church. Amen. Yeah. To build up the church, yeah. right? The body of Christ. So with that segue, let's just back up a little bit yeah. and say, Fariba, wait a minute. <laughs> you wait came minute. over, you moved with We're a family, a you went here. to school, you got a PhD. What about this Catholic church thing from... Islam or from becoming yeah. mu- from being mu- raised Muslim. How do you get there? How do you get there? <laughs> How much time do we have? <laughs> How much time do, you, do we have? Yeah, my, my journey was very slow and um, yeah, it was slow. So my first exposure to Christianity, uh, my host family was Baptist and they went to a small Baptist church, a very small community church that they had all been going to for years and years. Everybody knew each other. And as I was learning the English language, I was hearing, Jesus saved you. He is your personal mm. Savior, and you need to accept Jesus into your heart as your personal Savior. And what you should know at this point is that as a Muslim, what I, I was 16, but I knew this much, <clears throat> that Christians misunderstood Jesus, that Jesus came as this pure, sinless, from a virgin birth, so that part Muslims believe in, the, the way we describe the birth, birth of Jesus and the Annunciation, is identical in Islam. But Jesus never said, I'm divine. So as they were telling me about Jesus being divine, I was just filtering and not hearing anything else they were saying, because it just didn't compute, and for me, it was going backwards. 
So Muhammad came to say, whoa, 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 Jesus never said he's divine. You didn't hear him right. And when you go to the Quran, which is the holy book of Islam, it's very explicit about this, that this is a misunderstanding and it needs to be corrected. And it really admonishes you, how dare you think that God could be man? You know, this this whole God becoming man is just scandalizing to a Muslim mind, because God is so infinite and so omnipotent and omniscient, so to condense him into a human body and make him walk the earth and grow in wisdom, and you know, all the things that we say about Jesus's human nature just doesn't work. So at this point, um, I'll just tell you a little bit more about my um, my beliefs, because I think this is really important for us to understand our Muslim brothers and sisters, and there's so much misunderstanding because of militant Islam out there. Authentic Islam is a religion that backs to Abraham. So the roots of Islam goes back to Abraham. And so it's an Abrahamic faith. So we have that in common. Muslims worship God the Creator, the way you and I relate to God the Father, that is the God that is worshipped. They see God as merciful, as powerful, creator of heaven and earth, and they worship Him with all reverence. They revere Jesus as a sinless man, not divine, who came, He was pure, and He'll come back. Muslims are waiting for Jesus to come back, and this usually shocks people. Or that's my the common reaction is what Jesus is that big of a deal in Islam? Yes, Mary, our Blessed Mother. My, my mom had tremendous devotion to the Blessed Mother. So we, we, when I say we as a Muslim, we revered Mary growing up and really held her up in high esteem because of who she is the mother to a pure prophet. Uh, Muslims are waiting for the Day of Judgment, uh, just like we are. And they worship, actually they put us to shame in some, in some ways, <laughs> when it comes to pr- prayer, almsgiving, and fasting. Very aesthetic, you know, there, there's just a lot of uh, asceticism, I'm sorry, I said the wrong word. There's a lot of um, self-denial in Islam, and a lot of piety in Islam. So everything I just said is actually summarized in Nostra Aetate, the Second Vatican (laughs) Council. I'm just blown Um, away right now. (laughs) And I'm going to shut up in a minute, but I I, want to get this in that... Well, actually, wait, we need to to just take a quick, quick break, Fariba, because... Sure. So many questions when yeah. we come back. There are, but we need, <laughs> okay. we need to take a quick break, and we'll jump right back into it, okay? All right. All right. We'll Good. be right back, right. folks. Stay tuned with us. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. The world is changing fast and needs problem solvers and critical thinkers. Right here in your backyard, Not Marty believes every student has the potential to serve the world and make a difference. 
we will help you obtain a degree that prepares you for success by exploring your talents and passion. Our community goes above and beyond to help each student feel at home, surrounded by love and support. We can't wait for you to see what's possible, and we hope the future brings you here, close to home, at mountmarty.edu. Hi, I'm Father Chris Alar. In this world of suffering and pain today, we've all experienced some kind of loss, especially the death of a loved one. There's an opportunity for us to still help them, however, and I invite you to please visit our website, suicideandhope.com. If you have lost someone tragically, please enter their name. You do not have to put their full name. You can put initials or a first name or even a nickname. But I will personally pray for each and every person whose name is entered onto that website in memorial. I will also say a mass every month for these people, imploring God's mercy upon the salvation of their soul. So there is no obligation, there is no cost. All we ask is that you bring your heart and the love that you have for your loved one to our site, list them there, and allow us to pray for them. Again, suicideandhope.com. It's a great time to spring into summer at Riverview Senior Living Community in Fargo. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director. We are currently accepting new independent and assisted living residents. Riverview provides a safe, comfortable place to live with a small town Main Street feel with home-cooked food, a la carte care services, daily activities, and mass five days a week. You can contact Marin or Katie to find out about all that Riverview has to offer at 701-237-4700 or at homeishere.org. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Abbey of the Hills in Marvin, South Dakota. I am Heather Caro. I'm Deacon Paul Trine, and, and yeah, we're just excited to have this quality Catholic radio station available to you, but also these these wonderful guests that we're oh going to have gosh. today, and especially uh, especially, but it's highlighting Fariba right now. Fariba, right? Ruffin. So we, we're talking with Fariba, who um, was Islamic and has moved to Catholicism, and so we were just talking about some of the similarities between Islam and Catholicism. And I am just totally fascinated by this, and need to do more research. Go home and do more homework on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm so grateful for you opening these doors for us. And um, so where we kind of left off, um, you were kind of talking about some of the similarities of, and I had asked you during the break, are there Old Testament books then in the Quran? And you said yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what's one of the differences that we noticed from the very beginning um, between Islam and Catholicism? Yeah, the difference is at the very beginning. <laughs> so, um, in Islam, the fall of Adam and Eve happens just like what we know. Um, however, they ask for forgiveness, and God forgives them. So they get thrown out of Eden, but not with original sin the way we describe it. You know, this lingering yeah. original sin. So... But they ask for forgiveness. So in our uh, account, and I'm paraphrasing, Adam says, she made me do it. And Eve says, the serpent that you put in the garden made me do it. You know, mm-hmm. so neither one really owns up, 
right? They don't right. ask for forgiveness. They, they become ashamed. They become afraid. They don't trust in God's mercy, which is kind of, you could say, that's the heart of original sin, and we all suffer from that, um, the concupiscence that the Church talks about. So um, at that point, if you kind of follow the logic, if there is no original sin, then you don't need a Savior. Mm. And if there is no original sin, there is no shared um, infliction, you know. Right, there isn't right. a whole body, a whole human race that shares something in common that takes a Savior to come and put things back in order. So in Islam, the theology um, is very personal accountability. I am accountable for myself. So I create, I'm born um, pure, and then how I lead my life, and you know, there are all kinds of moral codes, as I was just mentioning, and there's prayer, almsgiving, fasting, that happens. But then I make my own life, and my own sanctity at the end of my life is what I'm going to be judged on. So it's up to me. Whereas for us, we basically say, we have original sin, and the debt is so grave that it takes a Savior. And the debt is so grave, and our image was so tarnished, that it takes God to re-image us. You know, and that's why, out of His love, God actually, and it's an act of love, so this idea of why would God become man, is to repay the debt for sure, but also to show us how much He loves us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, show us the way also. We, we, we walk, so Calvary is a walk that we all walk in some form. We all have a cross that we pick up. So, you know, this is like the blueprint of Christian life. Right? So that's, so that's the big, the that's the big picture, the blueprint. Now yeah. let's narrow that down to Fariba. And her footprint. How did how, how did we sure. go across that bridge? Because we're only going to have so much time. And again, oh, could talk to you for a long time. <laughs> yes, yes. So I, I was telling you, I got exposed to this idea of a savior, but I it didn't really the, the seed was planted, but I, I didn't really even allow myself to think about it because because of my my beliefs at that point. Then I met my <clears throat> husband in college who was Catholic, and I started getting exposed to the Mass and, you know, the familiarity of candles and incense and more of a liturgy, more of a ceremonial uh, type of thing was very familiar to me. You know, I felt at home there were certain aspects of the Catholic communal worship that I related to, you know, holy water, you know, some of the sacramentals. Uh, wow. Rosary. There's prayer bead in in Islam where you just keep calling on God's mercy. Um, so all of that was familiar to me. So it felt it, there was some comfort. But I still, the whole you know, signing yourself with the in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit was just not what I wanted to do. So we ended up going to engage, engaged encounter, um, and that was a moment of tremendous attraction to the faith for me when I heard the sacrament of marriage described as in 
dissoluble, permanent, exclusive, you know, a man having one wife and not many, um, because I had seen how painful it is when when, um, a man takes additional wives. I've experienced it in my own life, and it just felt very, you know, the dignity of woman was not upheld for, for me in that kind, in a polygamy type of thing. So I was like, wow, there's a truth here. There's something very sacred here about the way the church sees the marriage. So that was my point. If you could say what was the hook, that was the hook. Okay, I need to um, (laughs) get up here. Okay, so I'll just fast forward and tell you, I entered this, uh, we got married, and I started going to RCIA classes, and we had, uh, so for nine years, I went to RCIA classes. Nine and years? Of, nine years, because the divinity of Christ is a lot. I just could not overcome it. So, and I should just put a parenthesis here, that my marriage was very abusive, violent, very hard. I, I suffered deeply in that marriage, which brought me down to my knees. It really did. And I kept praying for the marriage to heal. I kept praying for for the anger to go away. And I kept praying for the truth. But the way I was praying was, God, I know Jesus is not divine. Tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> and in 1989, I went to bed saying, Jesus... God, I don't know what to do. So instead of putting words in his mouth that Jesus is not divine, tell me what to do, I actually got to this point of tell me what to do. And I had a dream that night. This is in 1989 where, and and I'll give you a condensed version, where I saw Jesus and I grabbed onto his robe and knelt and pulled really hard. And I said, Jesus, Tell me what to do. And he put his hand on my head, and he went throughout my whole body, and he said, it's so simple. Just believe in me. And I woke up, and my heart was racing. I had a physiological reaction to it that was very supernatural to me. And I called the priest the next day who said, hallelujah, finally. (laughs) And I was and I was baptized March twenty fifth, nineteen eighty nine. So Easter and the Feast of Annunciation coincided and I only found this out last year. A priest told me, Do you realize you were baptized on the Feast of Annunciation? So praise God, um, I saw the light. Uh the marriage ended, you know. But the next you know, so when you say yourself, okay, so what So, what was the gift of the faith? I was given a rosary for my baptism, and I started praying the rosary and meditating on the life of Christ. And, and I think a lot of people don't understand, you know, outsiders, they think we just keep repeating a prayer, which sounds weird. But the, the rosary became my catechism, and... Mm. And the bottom line, I'll tell you, is what was comforting about having my faith was knowing how much Jesus suffered, how much Mary suffered, that suffering's part of life, and basically 
walking with God as you suffer is comforting. It's with God. With God. Walking with God, with God as we suffer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I want to emphasize something you said. You said the rosary was a, like a catechism yes. to you, right? Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. beautiful. Well, we've been visiting, uh, for those of you that are just joining us, we've been visiting with Fariba Rafad. She is a woman who's out of the Twin Cities area um, and has um, been out to the Abbey of the Hills a couple of times and been very um, effective um, as, a, as a means of folks discovering their, their God-given gifts, their charism. But also it's interesting to hear her story of her, her uh, movement from being raised in, in Islam to becoming Catholic. To becoming Catholic. absolutely fascinating. So we've got less than a minute. Um, I don't even. <laughs> but you know, for those that are, are 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 looking at this move towards Catholicism, what would you say to them, very very briefly, um, Freema? I would actually, if I may, I would actually focus on who are already Catholic. I think we need to revive. Our faith, we need mm. to move from lukewarm to on fire. Mm. Uh, I think, there, really, we can't give away something we don't have. Amen. You know, right? So to, to evangelize, I think the already baptized, the already confirmed, there is a tremendous need for us to know what is it that we believe. You know, what, is, what is, does the Church really teach? And not focus on the blemishes of the Church and the crises mm. in the Church, which is, Bishop Barron says, that's the Satan's uh, masterpiece, right? Mm-hmm. This, the mm-hmm. vision, the, the Church is worthy of being attacked. So don't give in to it, don't leave, lead. These are his words, lead. not mine. Lead. Yeah, and lean in. I think he even says lean in. Lean in, so, amen. Um, yeah, we have a treasury, we have the truth, we have the complete truth, and we need to not take it for granted. Wow, that sounded preachy. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We truly appreciate your time. For free, but it's always, it's always, it's always a, a great pleasure and honor to visit with you. Thank you, and God bless you. All right. Thank so, you. Up, up next, we're going to be talking about voting, folks. We've got, it's on all of our minds. We've got an in-studio host studio here. In-studio expert. Let's say that. Yeah. He's fancy. Well, so we'll come back with Chris Motes. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 